Hi, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of the Shop Notes podcast, back from our summer hiatus. My name's Phil Huber. I'm your host, joined by the usual cast of suspects, John and Logan, and a special guest today, John Henry. want to thank our sponsor for today's episode, Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin. It's that handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. Tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. Try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. All right, Logan, since you brought company today, you get to introduce him. (laughs) I I brought company like three days ago. But yeah, uh, so we have John Henry here uh, from Panto Router. Uh, John Henry's been up here the last couple of days uh, with myself filming some videos on the Panto Router, uh, building a Panto Router cart. Um, so, John Henry, do you kind of want to give us a little bit of, or give everybody <clears throat> kind of a rundown of um, your working background and kind of how you came to be with Panto Router? Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. Um, so I, uh, have been in Panorouter about a little over five years now. Um, sure. I started woodworking about full-time about six years ago. Uh, okay. I was previously a cook and just working in restaurants and started, uh, falling in love with Japanese knives, which is a natural, uh, progression when you're using a knife all day. I think, uh, there's a lot of crossover there in the woodworking world and uh, started making wood sheaths for four knives and, uh, you know, coworkers would uh, ask if, if I could maybe make them one and it sort of spiraled out of control. And as far as just uh, becoming obsessed with woodworking, uh, sure. I grew up around it a bit, but um, kind of uh, just fell into it and... I was buying a router table fence off of Craigslist and uh, rolled up to to Max House, who's the owner of Panerouter. And I was uh, trying to stay busy as a self-employed person and uh, said, if you ever need any help around here, let me know. And, you know, uh, flash forward, we're we're still (laughs) working together and and going. That's awesome. Well, and we will... uh, include a link to John Henry's website. Um, he does some (laughs) fantastic work. Uh, thank you. So people can take a look at, uh, at your stuff. So yeah, and I, so I met, um, John Henry and Mac when we were out in Portland a couple of months ago. Um, I was out there for a photo shoot with Billy Sandry. Uh, and you know, we've done a little bit of work with Panto router. Um, and I, I know everybody that's listened to the podcast. We've talked about it before about how I love, the panther router like i didn't want to and it's funny john henry and i were at, we were at dinner last night we were at dinner last night and we were talking about pellet grills okay like traeger pellet grill and and john henry being in the culinary world was doing a trade show for traeger and he's like i didn't really want to like it it's like one of those gadgets i'm like that's how i felt about the panther router <laughs> like it's another one it was another one of those woodworking gadgets i'm like no one dang it i like it because so. I believe there's a podcast back in our archives where oh, yeah. we discuss um, not wanting to like the Panto router. And that was yeah. before you got one in. So, yeah, it was like tools you love to hate or something. Yeah. Or hate so, to love. Yeah. You know, hate to love. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Maybe that's, that's the problem. So it was. I'm hopeful that you uh, hate to love it rather than love it. Yeah, that's right. right. That's right. Right. So uh, how do you? How? What kind of reception do you get when you're presenting the Panto router? I mean, because I feel like. I mean, we live in a very polarized world, so everything is polarizing. But, you know, like we have a guy on staff here who's really into CNC stuff, which is voodoo woodworking, apparently. Mm-hmm. So do you do you get a. You get yeah. like a mixed reaction or it's definitely a mixed reaction. I think there's some some healthy skepticism around uh, a new tool that uh, claims to save you time in your shop. I think we've all probably purchased <laughs> accessories or, or some sort of tool that we thought would just be, you know, a huge time saver and, and frankly just collects dust, you know, somewhere in the, in the corner. So some people uh, are very skeptical of, uh, you know, will it actually do what it claims and uh, you know, save me time in my shop. But uh a lot of people see it and they kind of just have immediate kind of amazement and then a little bit of anger around how fast a tenon was cut <laughs> and, you know, uh, seeing, seeing how, you know, they used to do that either on the table saw or bandsaw by hand, you know, there's, uh, obviously a ton of different methods that you can employ for that, but, you know, shop time is, is such a premium, whether it's, you know, something you're doing in a free, in your free time, or if you're doing it as a profession. Um, and, and we're not eliminating these really romantic moments of hand cutting joinery at the bench. You know, that's still always an option, but often it's, it's really just setup time on different tools that we're kind of cutting down rather than, you know, uh, trying to set up your table saw for a very specific operation. You can just, cut the joints pretty quickly using the panda router. Yeah. Well, and it's, I think it's funny because I was asked, oh man, probably two months ago to do a demo of the panda router for the one woodworkers club. And the way that this whole thing kind of evolved was, was rather odd because um, Chuck Haas, who's the president of the one woodworkers, he bought a panda router from Mac mm-hmm. probably five years ago six years ago. Um, and he never set it up. <laughs> like, <laughs> and, and the, the Des Moines woodworkers often meet at Chuck's personal shop to do projects and classes and whatever. So he's like, I want this set up to be able to use. He's like, he's like, here's the deal. He's like, I know you like it. He's read, you know, the pop wood reviews I've done of it and stuff. He's like, I know you like it. I know you know how to use it. Uh, can you come out and give us a demo? And I mean, give us a demo, wink, wink, but also help me set it up, mm-hmm. you know, basically is what it, what it boiled down to. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, sure. You know, no, no problem. So I met him out at the uh, Woodsmith store, um, on a Saturday morning and gave him a demo and, you know, it's a smaller group of guys cause it was their furniture maker group. So there's maybe 25, 30 guys there. Um, the guys that are really interested in furniture. So kind of that traditional Morris attendant type joinery dovetail stuff like that. And, like, you know, it, I don't know, start to finish, if you walk up the pan router with two parts, you can have a Morrison tenon cut in four minutes, maybe. Oh, yeah. Like, not, not long. Um, so, but I'm doing my demo, talking to these guys. Um, so, you know, it takes me 10, 15 minutes. Um, but when I put the joint together, and I pull it apart, and they hear that, 
mm-hmm. like that suction pop where when it comes apart, they're like, "Are you freaking kidding me?" <laughs> like it just it just looking at everybody's faces, it's like now I get why people are magicians because the look of shock and awe <laughs> on people's faces was awesome. So, uh, yeah, I think we, uh, yeah. you know, really struggle with the um, kind of Swiss army effect where when it yeah. says that it, it does, you know, dovetails and box joints and slot mortising and mortise and tenon, uh, the, the natural reaction is, you know, if it does all these things, it can't possibly do any of them particularly well. And, you know, sure. there's certainly operations that you can do on that machine that would be way faster uh, using other tools or methods in your shop. But um, there are a really a, a good handful and core uh, amount of operations that really are, are unrivaled, which is pretty yeah. fun. Well, and you know, I think what's kind of fun and, and not to say that you couldn't do, do some of the stuff with other tools. Um, but you know, for example, yesterday, uh, as as you and I are filming, we're, we're building a cart for the panther router to sit on and stuff, and we're doing some rabbit uh, rabbit joints for the drawer, mm-hmm. the drawers, and like we just slapped together a simple jig to basically act as an auxiliary fence and table, so you could bury the bit in it halfway and make a rabbit, and it's like it's one of those things that yeah, there's other tools that could have done that. But what that showed me as somebody who has used the Panther router, uh, you know, pretty regularly that you could, I mean, like the amount of stuff you can do with it um, is really limited by what you want to bolt down to the table or how you want to use it. You know what I mean? Like you can add so many different auxiliary items to it and just absolutely unlock endless possibilities so yeah absolutely it's uh yeah that's what that's what i was kind of amazed with uh this week too is uh watching the mortising tenoning but also seeing it used for other uses as well as you know you can bolt different things to it like you said and it's basically just a router table you know flipped on its side as well yeah michael fortune is a a big proponent of it and um you know kind of a a mad scientist in the shop sometimes creating uh jigs and tools to do what he needs and uh he said it best i mean he uh put it very bluntly he's like at the end of the day it's just a nice jig to hold a router in a horizontal position and what you choose to do with it beyond that is uh really up to you and so sometimes you want to leave your router table set up with a very particular setup and you might need to Yep. Do a couple rabbits really quick, or uh, you know, just having that extra tool in your in your arsenal and and knowing that you can do all these different operations is pretty handy. I feel like it's kind of interesting because we've talked about on the show before about tools that are multitaskers and tools that are unitaskers, and sometimes you need a unitasking tool because it just does its job extremely well. Mm-hmm. And there are multitasking tools, like you said earlier. John Henry that do none of them particularly gracefully, you know, or it's almost forced. Yeah. And I think there is something to be said for, you know, looking at the, the, you know, tools like the Panto router where instead of 
trying to look at it as a Swiss Army knife kind of tool. Instead, it's just basically a joinery machine. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that allows you to free up your table saw. Like you can do a bunch of joinery on the table saw, but in the course of a project, that's going to turn you mostly into a NASCAR pit crew where you're constantly, you know, switching out blades and setups and dado blades and all that kind of stuff. And who, I mean, raise your hand if you've, gotten through cutting parts to size set up for joiner and you realize ah crap i need two more styles yeah 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 well i I was gonna say it's funny because we were um i was i was showing john henry a picture of the uh the table that david marks and i were working on two weeks ago three weeks ago um and how it's a round top it has three dados in the edges to hold the legs. And um, I, I was kind of bouncing ideas off of him. Like, I know I could do this on the panther router. Like, how would you do it? And we were talking through, you know, how, how I would do it because David Mars has a, uh, one of the original JDS multi-routers, um, which is a similar form. They're, they're definitely different, um, but it's a similar form um, just with a few more levers and um, a little bit clunkier in some areas, in my opinion. Um, but, that's what David said. He's like, I would, if it was me, I'd just bolt it down to the table and zip up and down and make the dados that way. And John Henry and I were talking and it's like, Oh, you know what? You could just set up the box joint template on the template holder, clamp down that round table. You'd have to use your front stops as two registration points mm-hmm. and draw a center line uh, for your dado. But then you're just going up and down with the, the box joint template. So, you know, it's it's one of those things that, you know, and, and clearly this episode is not sponsored by Panther Router, <laughs> but I truly like like it. And I've said it. I think I've said it enough that people understand that. Well, it's definitely appreciated. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's pretty cool. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Uh, yeah. it's it's definitely, um, you know, one of those things, regardless of whatever tool you get in your shop you kind of familiarize yourself with it. And over time, when you're trying to problem solve a tricky joint or an operation you haven't done, your brain kind of goes through like, okay, where can I do that? Can I do that on the bandsaw or router table? Or do I need to make a custom jig? And it's just kind of one more option to say, you know, um, I think I could probably do a setup there and hold it down safely and and make really clean cuts. Well, and I think the one thing that's exciting to me, or the most exciting to me about the Panther router, is that as I'm starting to not necessarily build more complex projects, but starting to look at projects outside my norm, which is a lot of you know standard traditional shaker style furniture, I'm starting to look at doing other types of projects mm-hmm. that have that involve a much more complex set of joinery. The Panther router really makes a lot of that stuff more approachable. Very much the same way that a a domino for some people makes complex joinery much more 100%. approachable. You know, I mean, it's like you said, John Henry. It's it's all about um, what you have and how you use it. Um, you know, and certain tools will get you to to a certain point faster than others. Um, you know, talking about you know doing tenons on compound angles and and you know slot mortises in in weird crazy parts or you know doing tenons and curve parts, you know, weird stuff like that, that is just, in my opinion, um, I think I'm going to end up doing quite a bit more of that in the future. And I think this is 
probably going to help immensely. So uh, I'm pretty excited. I mean, to boil it down, though, or, you know, separate it specifically from the Panto router, it's it's kind of like there are folk in woodworking and we've, you know, of all stripes. And there are some that just have a bunch of tools and they're more or less owned by the tools in the sense that they don't. They don't really understand what's going on. They can functionally use a lot of tools, but until you take, you know, the Panto router or for me, like the router table and invest in it and spend some time practicing with it and choosing to master it is when you own that tool. Yeah. Instead of the and tool owning you. you <laughs> yeah. Cause then you get to understand like what this thing is capable sure. of, you know, that it becomes a problem solving thing. Absolutely. You know that. Yeah. I think it's, it's great to just kind of design or, or enter that, that project design phase with the mentality of I'm not, I'm not thinking about the joinery first. I'm thinking about what I want this thing to look like and, uh, you know, what this overall piece is. And then it's a fun problem solving game of, okay, now how do I get those two to meet at a compound angle? Or, you know, that's to me, the fun part of, of furniture making and furniture design is just sort of, uh, creating a, a tricky problem for myself and then uh, trying to dig myself out. And so like you're saying, that's, that's just a really nice way to, to put it that you really have to invest the time in any tool to be able to trust it, to sort of bail you out of a tough situation. Yeah. I just want to point out that John Henry says that like a true furniture designer Design first. <laughs> Screw the joinery. We'll figure that out down the road. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know how this is going to work. It's, no, it's uh, funny because fake we, it till we, you make we, it, right? <laughs> yeah, well, no, it's like we we have those. Uh, not we have those discussions, but sometimes our builders are like they'll be in working on a project in the shop, <laughs> and they'll be like, "What was the designer thinking? Like, seriously, yeah. I." Gotta, get this together like this like mm -hmm. yeah in the computer it goes together just fine but yeah. you know as i'm trying to cut it it's not going together how it's yeah. supposed to so, no i think John there's like projects where you can say you know i really want to learn x y or z or a specific kind sure. of you know joinery and sort of pursue that uh project as yeah. a means of an education and then i also think especially in kind of the commission world where someone is saying i'm hiring you to make a furniture piece that really I can't find what I'm looking for out in the world because it's not going to be cheaper to hire someone to make sure. it. So that kind of problem solving is like, Oh, it's got to fit in this weird nook in my house, or I have a strange book collection and they're all really tall and I need this specific shelf, like figuring out all these, uh, you know, yeah. problems that you have to, to fix, I think is, is the thing that keeps it interesting and, and pretty yeah. fun. That's funny, Logan, that you bring up that, uh, yeah. kind of, uh, give and take between the designers and builders here because there's a lot of times when I'm building or designing something on the computer and I'm like, oh, that's a really complicated, you know, joinery or way to assemble this. And like, it's easy to do in the computer, but how am I going to do this? And then I think, oh, wait, I don't have to do it. That's Mark or Steve's problem. <laughs> they can figure it out and then they can tell me how they did it. And so, but yeah. Uh, 
See, and and me from like a Neanderthal standpoint, I'm like, mm, give me simple joinery first. Design follows. <laughs> I will definitely talk myself out of uh, certain designs on the computer, just knowing that I'm going to have yeah. to actually build it. <laughs> that's funny. well. See, that's because I, what I was wondering for John Doyle, because you've had it from both sides, John, where you're designing the project to hand off to a project builder, but then. You know, when we build projects for the TV show, you're on yep. the flip side of yep. that, having to go through. And I know that there's been projects where it's been like, what the heck were we thinking on doing it this way? And then we just flip it around and it's like, oh, see, we can do it this way. And it's a little Wait, easier. Yeah, I've been on both sides. And and I mean, truly building other people's designs has like forced me to to learn new ways, I guess, and get out of kind of. The, the typical way of, of thinking and the way I do things. So it's helped me learn a lot, but yeah, we get to this point. It's like, ah, I'm not going to do it that way. I'm going to do it my way. So, <laughs> well, it's, it's funny because there is points where we're building stuff on the TV show, right? Like we'll be the, the three of us will be on set putting together a project for the TV show and we'll all be standing around the bench looking at a set of plans. Like why the hell was it put together like this? And then it's like, we could do this. It'd be so much more simple. And then we get to that point and we're like, oh, that's, that's why. why. Right. Now we got to figure out how to fix what just, we just screwed mm-hmm. up. So. Today's episode is brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of the Shaper Origin, the handheld CNC router that brings digital precision to the craft of woodworking. You can tackle joinery, cabinetry, hardware installation, and more with speed and precision. You could try it risk-free in your shop for 30 days. Visit shapertools.com to learn more. John Henry, uh, you're uh, you're getting ready to move into a new shop, right? I am, yeah. I'm going to be moving into a new shop hopefully uh, next month or two here. uh, Cool. Yeah, daunting task when when uh, things weigh hundreds or or over a thousand pounds, but uh, you awesome. know, finagle it in there somehow. But it like it is fun, right? Like as somebody who is is in the process of building a shop, like it's fun to think about. Like even if you're, are you downsizing shops a little bit? It's actually technically a little bit more square footage. Uh, is it okay? Yeah, there's a a like we talked about a bit. There's a wood stove in there, uh, and yeah. a, a a small kind of toilet bathroom area. So when you yeah. kind of factor in the area that those eat up, it's sure. roughly the same, a little bit bigger. Um, okay, but okay, uh, well, just I mean, under a thousand. Like square even feet. yeah, so and like even moving spaces from like a bigger shop to a smaller shop, just the whole like starting over and washing your hands of your current shop and that ability to change something that you didn't like in your current shop, I think is, is exciting. So, and you're, you're out in the Pacific Northwest, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, what are you most looking forward to in your new shop and least looking forward to in your new shop? Yeah. Yeah. I think it is a good opportunity to kind of rethink what, what you have been doing and what your layout has been, uh, and what's effective, it's really easy to kind of fall into this pattern and say like, well, my joiner's always been there, so I'm just going to put it here. And it's amazing how even 
roughly a 24 by 36 layout was my old shop. And now this is a roughly 31 foot square. And just that sure. change of shape really does totally uh, change what kind of layout is feasible and comfortable. So I'm excited to kind of, I mean, I've been, I, my father is a, an architect and, and he, from a very young age, I remember him making physical models. And so that was my first step was just like, get some foam core and start moving some things around. Cause I, I drew it all up That's in the awesome. computer too, but it's just, uh, yeah. there's nothing like actually seeing stuff to scale in front of you. And so I'm looking forward to just kind of really finalizing that tool layout, uh, so that I don't have to move them 20 times. And the thing I'm least looking forward to is probably the physical moving of probably getting my bandsaw out of the old shop. It's a gravel <laughs> entrance sure. and, uh, has a big lip on it, uh, about 12 inches off the ground. So getting that, Oof. that hefty thing out of there is going to be a fun challenge. Rat skid loader for the day. Yeah, really. That's why John has the little bandsaw. That's right. Just strap it on yeah. my back. It's like a, a backpack <laughs> bandsaw. Bench top. There you go. I'm a sucker for a deal. I'll, I'll inconvenience myself uh, heavily in the moving process if I can find a good deal somewhere. So uh, sometimes I'm my own worst yeah. enemy in that front. Well, that'll be, that'll be cool. I, it's, it's, it's fun to... It's a lot of work to move a shop, mm-hmm. but I think it's fun kind of getting that new, fresh, like, hey, I'm kind of starting over, but not really starting over. It, I'm starting it's... over and making it better. Yeah. I think this is shop number five now. Uh, and Oh, cool. It's, uh, it's progressed from, you know, a dusty basement to some really fun spaces. One point in time, we were in a big kind of industrial warehouse, a bunch of folks were uh, renting spaces within that warehouse. And then there's large communal tools as well. And the person who managed that essentially um, very nice guy, but maybe not the best uh, business acumen. And he said, uh, you know, I'd love to give you guys a month's notice, but I think in a month I'm going to be bankrupt. So uh, (laughs) if everyone could just like move out in 10 days, that'd be really great. And it was this like mad dash of, you know, 15 woodworkers and steel workers and all these people uh, all packing up their stuff and, you know, dodging each other and trying to get in the loading dock. And uh, yeah, so the fact that I don't have to do it in 10 days, I'm just, uh, I'm, I'm counting my blessings there. So being in the Pacific Northwest, I'm a wood, I'm a wood nerd. I think everybody, everybody here knows that. What's your favorite local woods from the Portland area to, to work with? Um, to work with, I really do love Madrone. It's, okay. it's a beautiful wood. If you can find big enough boards that aren't super squirrely and yeah. uh, uh, checked, then it can be a really just, I mean, it machines beautifully. I think it's, it's really nice. It has a subtle look to it, but it's, it's clearly not a species that people are often familiar with. And, sure. um, it, the, the Oregon Washington area is really known for its black walnut, uh, 
a lot of it is actually exported um, around the country and around the world, and not a whole lot of it stays in the state. But our pretty wet winters and then dry uh, summers create these really interesting growing patterns and uh, the grain and, and color of the Oregon black walnut is just pretty striking. So that's, that's always fun when I can talk a client into, uh, you know, going for the fun stuff and, and the pricey stuff. Yeah. Do you ever, uh, Phil is our resident vegan woodworker. And by that, I mean, he likes to use softwoods. Mm-hmm. So do you oh, yeah. ever uh, do you ever do anything with fir or Alaskan yellow or redwood? I know you guys don't get much redwood up that far north, but yeah, we don't get a ton of redwood. Uh, I love working with Doug fir, especially yeah. um, our my boss uh, Mac recently found uh, through kind of a word of mouth, a friend of a friend. This guy was. Uh, an arborist for years and he was moving and he found uh, this tree that came down in the seventies, but uh, based on the size and the rings uh, it was, it was grown before Columbus hit the uh, shores of, of America. And it was, you know, five plus feet around this beautiful old growth fir that uh, had some sort of lightning strike or, or major damage to it. And so the bottom section uh, was still standing. They took that down in the seventies and he milled that up beautifully and stickered it perfectly. And uh, it's been sitting in his barn and this guy kind of has been just hoarding wood as we all do uh, for decades and decided, you know, I'm going to sell my, my walnut stash and move to Costa Rica. And <laughs> that was uh, his thing. And, and he got rid of this fur and just the, uh, the tightness of the grain and how beautifully it works, even, you know, uh, sitting for that long, all milled up. It's yeah. just, it's a pleasure to work with. I tried to pick the ugliest board the other day to do a door jam for a shipping container. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for our storage for Panda Router. And it's like, as soon as that came off the joiner, I was like, oh my God, I thought this was going to be the worst board. And this is like incredible. I, al- I almost don't want to use it for this. It's too nice. So yeah, I, so love, I, I remember I Mac telling me, yeah, I remember Mac telling me that he's like, yeah, I just went and got all this fur, like full trailer full. I was like, you're a butthead because <laughs> our fur here comes in two by four for, form and it is sure it's not even new growth it's like premature growth like mm-hmm. it's it's nasty so yeah i mean we have a lot of we we grow a lot of fur in oregon yeah. just to uh for the lumber industry and yep. you know i think it's uh it's it's a very fast growing tree. And so as a slightly more renewable resource compared to something like steel, where you're just mining it out of the earth and that's kind of it. Uh, it's, it's great that, um, we can kind of continue to plant and harvest that. But when you look at those two, uh, species of that old growth fir and, and some of the stuff, even though maybe technically it's, it's the same, uh, species, it's, two different woods to work with completely. Oh, yeah. And it's really a pleasure to get the opportunity. Yeah. 
So speaking of shops, Logan, do you have any updates on your space? I'm still waiting for my builder. <laughs> the wet, so I, I contacted, I think I, uh, I don't know if we podcasted since I got my building pad done. My building pad is done. Um, so it's like all laid out, graded, um, ready to start building on. And it looks way bigger now that it is graded and sitting there. Um, but, um, I, I reached out to my builder and said, Hey, building pad's done, you know, just check and see your timing. And because originally he wanted to start in July, which would be like right in July and we're in July. Yep. He said, he said, oh, it's going to be a little bit later. Uh, the, the really wet spring we had, he said, push a lot of stuff back a bit. So I'll give it another week before I poke him again. So. He said July, just not which July. Yes, he did not say July 2022 or 23. Um, I just, I really want to be in the shop before winter. Um, that's my biggest thing. Um, I would really like yeah, to Yeah, because if you're moving tools in winter, I'm busy that day. Yeah, I know. Right? <laughs> um, luckily, I have the tractor, and I can just reach in the slang glass door in the basement, lift up stuff, and drive it in the new slang glass door and drop it. Um, but yeah, I, I guess the bigger thing is I don't really want to be, um, I don't really want to be like doing framing and insulation during the winter and well, it just sounds miserable. Yeah. Miserable. Yep. Plus I have a lot of concrete I want to pour. I mean, the shop's getting concreted, but while I have a concrete truck there, I'm going to do a patio in the back. So it's like, I would really like all that done before it starts to freeze. Right. So, what is the yeah, cutoff here? How late can you uh, pour? Sometimes, yes, all year. <laughs> sometimes <laughs> it's like October. Oh wow! I would say I would say probably late November is probably mid to late November is probably our cutoff. Yeah. Cutoff. They will pour everything during freezing temperatures. They mix uh, calcium carbonate in it, I think, um, mm. and. And they will, they'll throw curing blankets on it, like heated blankets. Um, but, I I, yeah, I've always been told, and I don't know if this is just an old man superstition, but, like, you know, concrete poured in the in the freezing temperatures is not as good as concrete that's been yeah. allowed to cure. Gets kind of sketchy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. And with, I, I mean, with a, let's say with a 44 by, or a 40 by 88 foot, concrete slab i really don't want a lot of movement because i'm gonna have oh, cracks yeah. all over you know what i mean like so i'd rather not do that but i made the mistake of of trying to use my semi-freshly poured area as a staging area for a couple of tools and you know yeah. there is so much moisture that comes off of that initially oh, yeah. and oh, yeah. you know uh I was like oh it was a couple weeks ago it's fine but that thing is curing for a while and uh, you know, nothing too bad as far as rust, but it was definitely uh, a good reminder that <laughs> there's there's quite a bit of water that's got to come out of there at some point. Yeah, well, and it's it's funny because I've been trying to decide what to do with the floor. It's like, do I leave it concrete? Do I epoxy it? Do I? I mean, heck, do I do like a low pile carpet? That, you know what I mean? Like, do I do something like that in the shop? Um, or I think 
kind of what I'm leaning towards is doing like sleepers on top of the concrete with a hardwood floor. Mm. Because I think that unfinished hardwood floor would be a really nice, you know, photography floor. It would be nice to work on um, that type of thing. So I don't know. We'll see. And I have a lot of I have a ton of bur oak uh, that I could mill into flooring. So, you know, are you are you putting foam under your slab yes. or? Yeah, there will be foam under the slab. Okay. So because I just know that. In my garage shop in winter, that she slab could. just basically turns into a life-sucking yep. disaster because well, uh, it's super you have, cold. You have that floor on the back end of your shop, right? Like that has to help. A right. Bit. That made a huge difference yeah. when I put the put that OSB and then the like dimpled plastic. You know, just that little bit of separation makes it so much better in there, but. Yeah, the comfort for standing on is is pretty nice to have that, but also the temperature, like you're saying, you notice that when you're standing on an ice cube all day. It's uh yep. painful. I'm having the same same kind of uh debate right now of, of flooring. I I had plywood yeah. uh subfloor in my last shop and this one's concrete and do I wanna kind of replicate that? The one the one thing I did realize was moving tools around. If they're heavy, you know, uh, maybe the Baroque will be better, but they'll leave, it you flexes. know, a trail <laughs> oh, of <yeah>. indentation <laughs> in the plywood. You know, it's it's that's, that's true, point yeah. loading that uh, that much weight on plywood. It'll it'll leave it. So that was one of those things where it's like, well, they are yeah. mobile, but I probably shouldn't <laughs> move them too much. With yeah, probably shouldn't move move them. All right. I think that wraps up another episode of the Shop Notes podcast. Uh, we'll post some links to John Henry's work as well as Panto Router on our show notes page. You can check that out at woodsmith.com slash podcasts. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or smart remarks, uh, I'd love to hear them. You can email them up to us at woodsmith at woodsmith.com or leave them in the comments section on our YouTube channel where you can see our special Brady Bunch edition with all four <laughs> of us on this episode. Um, otherwise, we'll see you again next week, everybody, for the Shop Notes podcast. Bye. Thanks. Bye. This episode of the Shop Notes podcast is brought to you by Shaper Tools. They're the makers of that handheld CNC router. I'm sure you've seen it. It's called the Shaper Origin. You can do all kinds of stuff with it. Cabinetry, hardware installation, joinery, all with speed and precision. It really adds some digital precision to your woodworking. Right now, there's a special risk-free offer. You can try it in your shop for 30 days. If you'd like to learn more about that, just check out shapertools.com.